0: are tuned in to cfcr 90.5 fm it's time for the nerdy news it's punch radio and in studio today we have dave and jody and brennan and we will hear from hank and craig a little later we're going to talk about a bunch of comics later in the show and we will hear from hank and craig about their favorite tv show right now they really like uh, joe pickett so this is a if you liked reacher you'll love joe pickett And they're both Gaga for the Euphoria season two finale. So uh, we'll hear from them and what they think about those. But we're going to start things off today with uh, Brennan and his take on the beat poets. So what uh, reignited the flame for the beat poets for you, Brennan?
1: Well, believe it or not, this might sound like a weird way to get back into it, um, but I had to travel this break. I was gone last week and I was in Edmonton visiting some friends. And I stopped in this cool little like coffee shop, used book place. And while I was going through the poetry section, I found uh, a small edition of Ellen Gingsburg's Howell. And what it is, it's an actual reproduction of the first, um, oh shoot, what's it called? First light printing, I think. So it's a little skinny book. It has Howell plus like four or five other poems. And I mean, I have Howell in other collections, but to have the used reproduction of it was really, really cool. So I had that on the plane and I reread it. And as I was reading it, it just reminded me of how much I love Ginsberg's writing and his language and his use of imagery. And how one time I was having a conversation with someone that you could say maybe turned into an argument. I wouldn't say an argument, but more of a academic discussion perhaps, where he, he said, Allen Ginsberg was the best of the beat writers. And my take was no, Jack Kerouac was the best of the beat writers. And we went back and forth and back and forth. And the person I was talking to suddenly started quoting things, right? Like, I saw the best minds of my generations destroyed by madness, starving, hysterical, naked, who poverty and tatters and hallowed-eyed and high, sat up, smoking supernatural darkness of cold water, right? He started spouting this. I didn't have anything memorized. Like, this guy, he knew his Deansburg. I realized halfway through a discussion, that he was probably right but if it wasn't for jack kerouac being the one who essentially created that sense of jazz improv writing who became the buddhist first who basically taught allen gingsberg how to get into buddhism um one of my favorite jack kerouac books is called some of the no- some of the dharma and the beginning of the book basically says um, to allen please keep care of this this is the only copy that that exists and he wrote these notes for Allen Ginsberg to learn about Buddhism and to open up his mind, his philosophy, which if you can find the book, it's, it's brilliant. If you're all interested in the beat poets and Buddhism at all, it's a great read. So I had to switch my arguments to be, well, if it wasn't for Kerouac, Ginsberg went to become the writer that he was. And I ended up winning our quote unquote discussion, not arguments, but eh, whatever. I won. So that's, that's the important thing. Anyway, so I'm reading how And I just love the language. I love the word usage. He takes the idea of of Walt Whitman, right? Who's very, very much inspired by the Psalms, King of the Psalms, these long lyrical lines, his use of language. And as I was reading that, that reminded me of The Beats, a graphic history that was written by Harvey Picard and uh, drawn by Ed Pisker, one of the big names, as well as Paul Buell. And if you're at all interested in a really concise history of the Beat Poets and what it was like, um, it follows the life mostly of Gingsburg uh, and Kerouac and William S. Burroughs and how they all grew up together, well, they didn't grow up together, how they were friends and traveled together and wrote together and how they inspired each one of their own art and how their lives were intersected and just the things they, they got up to. The graphic novel is great, I mean, anything Harvey Pekar does is amazing. Ed Pisker, his artwork is so distinct and fits Harvey Pekar's writing style so well. It's a really, really great combination. So graphic novel version, pick up The Beats, a graphic history. For visual-wise, there was the movie called Beat that started, sorry, that starred Courtney Love and, oh, I should have looked it up because now I can see the face, but I can't remember the actor's name. You can look it up yourself. When you see his face, you like, oh, that guy, but I can't remember Um, It came out in the year 2000, and it focuses more on William S. Burroughs, uh, specifically him moving down to Mexico and the tragedy that happened with him and his girlfriend. Uh, Spoiler alert, he ends up shooting his his girlfriend. They say it was an accident. It was kind of a a drug-induced truth or dare kind of game. Either way, not the best way to end someone's relationship, but he stayed in Mexico because of that. I remember the movie being good. Like it wasn't outstanding, wasn't great, wasn't brilliant. But when I thought about Beat Poets, the first thing I thought of was like, oh, wait, I remember this movie and thinking it was quite good. So, oh, Keith or Sutherland. There you go. That's it was. Keith or Sutherland. Come back to you. <laughs> thank th- Thank you for letting me keep talking and having it come back to me. Anyway, but I remember thinking it was a decent show. And again, it wasn't brilliant. It won't take your breath away but I bought it on DVD as a random movie choice and I remember thinking wow like actually for a somewhat concise history of following Burroughs life it did it did a decent job so if you're looking for something different if you want to research some different types of writing and things uh definitely check out Gingsburg's Howl. again I found a little edition of it any book of poetry that has any Gingsburg poem will have probably section one of Howell by section four it's a bit more personal so it's not quite as exciting but the first one is so good. And then check out Beats, A Graphic History, and uh, go check out the movie. And, uh, you know, smoke some cigarettes and put on a record and feel the jazz, beatnik, hip poetry,
2: and uh, yeah, have make a nice night of it. Sounds like a plan. I think so. Why not? Do you, do you think if I'd been present at that almost argument, I would have been able to settle it by just conceding that Ginsberg is the better poet and Kerouac's the better prose writer. And so they, they don't, you don't have to pick one. Oh, probably. I mean,
1: and that's basically what I think we got down to, but the fact that I kind of dug my heels in to be like, no, if it wasn't for Kerouac. Right. So I had to like spin my own argument a little bit to make sure I won, but, but you're totally right. I mean, they are different writing styles that approach their subjects with the same kind of fevery improv jazz beat bop kind of writing style, but in different ways, but you're totally right. I mean, Um, it's like, who's, it's hard to, you know, who's better, Charlie Parker or Hank Williams? Do you know what I mean? They're, they're both brilliant, but in different fields and, and same thing. But that being said, the fact that, you know, like I said, I got to win uh, an academic discussion with a little bit of twisting my own words around worked out pretty well for me.
2: We could maybe just throw in as like an additional rider pick that goes along with all your, your beat poet stuff. Um, that William Tell misadventure that you were talking about with uh, Burroughs' stay in Mexico—it's—it's it's been committed to film as well in a scene between Judy Davis and Peter Weller in David Cronenberg's telling of Naked Lunch, a movie that has oh. a, a movie that has at least two things wrong with its title: <laughs> <laughs> the lunch and, uh, Ends. and it's maybe like an unfilmable book, but Cronenberg somehow turns it into a movie. That I won't say necessarily is good, but I like it. I like that movie, and it it makes a book that's almost impossible to understand a lot easier to understand.
0: Yeah, the mugwumps are really creepy, though. Oh man, yeah, super creepy. Mm. I
2: have to. I haven't
1: watched that like forever, but like m- m- like back in high school, we rented on VHS and stuff. It'd be neat to watch it now as an adult. Like I literally have not watched it since I was probably like seventeen or something. But yeah, actually, I, I should read the book first. Maybe read the book it's and then rewatch the movie. A
2: way of holding up. They do, yeah.
0: Yeah, they're creepy and weird, but they're great. So, all right. A Resurrection. Check that out again. Okay. Sounds great. Well, let's throw things over to Hank and Craig and see what they say about TV land. And then uh, we'll talk some comics.
1: Hey
3: everybody, Craig Silliphon here on Punch Radio on CFCR ninety point five FM, and uh, I am here as always with my good buddy Hank Cruz. We're going to talk about a few shows today. I know Hank brought a few shows he wants to talk about. Uh, if I get time, I might talk about the new Chuck Klosterman book, and uh, I definitely want to get Hank's thoughts on uh, Euphoria, the season finale. <laughs> we won't put out any spoilers, but uh, you know we're going to talk around the spoilers a little bit. So, but first, uh, why don't we? Uh, why don't we? Talk about what you have seen this week, other than that stuff.
4: Yeah, I checked out a few new things. Have you uh heard of the Joe Pickett uh book series by CJ Box? I have not. Um, I get I'm assuming that's how you pronounce the last name, B-O X. I don't know, but uh, as it turns out, I think it's watching, uh, or, or maybe it's just pronounced Bo and the X is silent. X I don't know. silent. So after watching Reacher, I from of all people, my dad was like well, thanks for telling me about Reacher. Reacher is like, I've read all of those books. That was so cool. He's like, so then I watched Joe Pickett because I've also read all of those books. In that series, I'm like, what is Joe Pickett? He's like, oh, you gotta watch it. If you like Reacher, you gotta watch Joe Pickett. So Joe Pickett is on Paramount Plus. And so I watched all of it over the weekend uh, based on the number one selling book series by CJ Bullbox. Uh, So Joe Pickett follows a dedicated game warden and his family as they navigate the shifting political climate of a small rural town on the verge of economic collapse <gasps> he's no jack reacher but joe pickett sure knows how to take down some bad guys eh, not jack reacher but he still does a pretty good job so starting from episode one uh where joe goes toe-to-toe with a violent poacher to the final 10th episode showdown between the pickett's and the first season's villains uh the series has everything uh that the books have to offer i am told and more uh but spoiler i'll keep it spoiler free but if you like uh, shows like reacher and stuff like that uh it's pretty good paramount plus and speaking of paramount plus hold on, hold on one second
3: oh. sorry I'm, i just was looking this up while you're talking about it eh, eh. Uh, cjbox.net a uh, website with a web store where you could potentially uh pick up some christmas gifts for your dad or birthday gifts or something but mm. got a it looks like uh stickers and things like that things are about to get western joe pickett it uh, looks like a coffee mug for the Stockman's Bar, which I don't know what that is, but I assume it's a thing on the oh. show So
4: check it out. So you're telling me that maybe for Father's Day, I score him some swag. Exactly. Some sweet CJbox.net. Swag. Net. <laughs> Net, everybody. Go check that out. I, I'm going to check that out now. And you right. know what? My dad thanks you in advance. <laughs> there, there you, you go. go. All right. So um, sorry, you, uh, you watched yeah, something 18, else on Yeah. Uh, 1883. Uh, I mentioned it once before, but yep. uh, the season finale just aired also on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, so it was a 10 episode television series that originally they had said it was renewed for the second season but after watching this I'm like how is there even going to be a season two no the internet was wrong it's a 10 episode limited series uh, created by Taylor Sheraton so it stars Tim McGraw, Faith Hill, Sam Elliott, uh, Monica Garrett and isabel may who is the best thing about the show she is amazing i had never heard of her before Uh, she is perfect Uh, so it's a prequel to yellowstone follows the story of how the duttons uh, were fleeing poverty traveled from fort worth texas through the great plains to montana the land where the yellowstone ranch is found Uh, so tim mcgraw plays james dutton who along with his wife and two kids joins a group led by two ex-soldier cowboys who are taking a very large mass of immigrants on the most dangerous guided tour ever, to find a better life in Oregon. I don't want to say anything else because I can't talk about anything more without spoiling anything, but I will say that uh, at Fisher Cruise, Mike and I, we gave it a 91 out of 100, because the writing, perfect performance from all the cast, uh, and the next series is going to be 1932, which is another limited series to see what the Duttons are up to in 1932 around the Great Depression. And then I guess Yellowstone. So there's going to be uh, the three. So you're going to follow the Duttons, but you have to watch it. But it is very emotional. And that finale, even my wife was like, why did you make me watch this? <laughs> <laughs> Where Yellowstone, not very like emotional, but this one, like, oh, my God. oh but check it out paramount plus 1883 there you go
3: okay i'll uh i'll check that one out i've been kind of waiting for that one to sort of be done so i could binge through it all at once and i'm still slowly working my way through yellowstone which i consider to be a bit of a guilty pleasure but i've been watching it on the treadmill so it's like you know it's it's not necessarily top tier hbo tv that i need to pay a lot of attention to it's it's actually perfect for uh going on the treadmill and i just finished season three So, which is funny because I'm full of all these revelations of like, oh my God, I can't believe this person is this person's son or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, everybody's like, yeah, we knew that two years ago. Uh, So that's where I'm at. But uh, but uh,
4: 1883 is more of a... um this isn't the right way to describe but a more of a real show like it's more of a real drama where you're like oh wow like this is like yeah when you're thinking in h this is like hbo quality stuff yeah nice. well yeah i
3: call uh i call yellowstone a rope opera yeah uh but i mean speaking of uh soap operas and pretty intense ones and hbo uh obviously the season finale of season two of uh euphoria was last week and both you and i got a chance to watch it there's not too much we can say because there's a lot of spoilers around it but i think it's interesting uh to note that uh you know they did put a good ending on the series uh, or the, i should say the season uh and you know left things open for uh, another season two i think it has been renewed for season three the show itself sort of, excuse me, exploded this year, I think the viewership is like millions more than there were in season one. And I've been watching it since it started. And so I think that's created a lot of interesting conversations between the press for the show, and some of the fans, because I think you obviously have, you know, a bit of a younger uh, viewership in some cases. And they're sort of, I think, starting to clash between some of the, you know, the the raw nature of the show sometimes, and, you know, just sort of some of these, you know, I don't want to you, I mean, I'm just going to use the word woke for shorthand, but you know, like audiences that are, you know, have more let's just say woke sensibilities, you know, not, not making a judgment either way on, you know, anybody that's woke or not. But um, obviously the show was, uh, you know, I think pretty vastly rewritten. Uh, he had originally written a season two and then because of the COVID lockdowns and everything, uh, he actually, you know, went back to it, Sam Levinson, the creator, but well, I didn't really realize this, uh, but he's Barry Levinson's son, much like uh, Lexi's uh, character, or Lexi is Maud Apatow, Judd Apatow's daughter. So, Uh, You know, one of the interesting things that happened this year too, was Kat was sort of removed from the show. I think she had gotten in a big fight with Sam Levinson over some of the directions her character was taking. And so he removed her completely. So she's, she's in some scenes. She's kind of an afterthought. You know, another interesting conversation was Cal, who's Nate's dad, uh, who obviously, uh, you know, had some sort of sexual leanings that weren't really very cool, but you know, they gave him a backstory uh, this season you know, that sort of involved him being kind of, you know, latently gay when he was young and not really growing up in an environment where he could express that or be that. And so it sort of twisted him into this alcoholic uh, person committing these acts. Uh, And I think a lot of the audience was like, you shouldn't tell this story like this. And I'm kind of like, no, you should tell these stories like this. A bad guy." is still a bad guy but he needs to have depth to him the story needs to have a dramatic arc and when you cut those things out it's it's you just have this sort of cardboard mustache twirling villain so you know i actually think this was so far one of the best shows of the year for me uh even though it's a little over the top sometimes and stuff but it's always fun and it's always crazy and uh you know overall i really enjoyed it you got about uh, 30 seconds what do you think 30
4: seconds well i agree with everything that you said and (laughs) for a show that of course has adults playing high school uh children teenagers um most of the time that goes bad where you're like oh great i got a 25 year old pretending he's 16 or 17 or something but no this show still works it is super dark and i just want to know in the states how all of these high schools have a million dollar budget to put on dramatic plays in their theaters <laughs> because I know my high school uh, when I was part of Greece uh, we didn't even have cardboard to make a motorcycle I just had to pretend I was riding one right but the yeah. budget they got for this these plays they do
1: <laughs> oh yeah they
3: definitely have a Broadway budget I mean my guess was always that it's kind of this Hollywood school where like you know like I said I mean there's obviously Maud Apatow and Sam Levinson like where it's these sort of Hollywood kids of these rich parents or something I don't know but uh that is a good question it's a very it's a very high quality production (laughs) the other thing though that somebody noted uh was that a lot of these things like even the actors playing themselves not only as teenagers but then flashing back to when they were like 12 or something uh or things like you know what you're describing about the play is that we see all of this through Rue's eyes zendaya and like she's in a drug-induced stupor most of the time so i think a lot of the kind of logic leaps that you'd have to make do end up kind of working on that level. Cause it isn't necessarily a full on realism, right? It's kind of this hyper realism, but, but uh, anyway, that's uh, we got to throw back to Jody here. She's going to yell at us. So uh, uh, check out Euphoria season two on HBO slash Crave in Canada. Yeah.
4: We don't want Jody to yell at us. Right?
3: Okay.
0: I'm supposed to be yelling at them. I'm but I don't really yell at
2: people so I'm not going to especially not on the radio.
0: Yeah, you don't yell at people on the radio?
2: Well, some people have made a living doing that, but that's not we're not going down that road.
0: This is true. Uh we're not going to do that. Okay. I want to talk about three comics today. I want to talk about The Killer, Affairs of the State. I want to talk about The New Saga and I want to talk about Garth Ennis's new book, uh The Lion and the Eagle. So, uh let's start with The Killer first. So, the Killer is a French comic. It's uh, been written by Katz and the illustrations by Luc Giacomo for years. They've done a whole bunch. You can buy a big omnibus of all of the Killer stuff, which is good because it's been like published by a bunch of different places and it's a little bit scattered. But basically, it's the story of like an assassin, Le Tour, and uh, it's really good. It's very cinematic. Usually, there's not a lot of talking, but in this particular new iteration, there is a lot of talking. It is very wordy and it sets the table for this guy. He's infiltrated an office building type thing. So he's working for this company and eventually he's going to have to do a hit on somebody. So it's just, you're just getting the broad strokes of what's going on, um, but it is going to be for the greater good. And it's kind of interesting because um, it's going to be six issues. It's published by Arkea, which I think is uh, a baby of Boom. And uh, this is cool. I did not know this until today, but apparently they are going to make a movie. Netflix is making a movie of the killer, not this new one, but older stuff. It is going to be... Directed by David Fincher. Oh, my God. It's going to be written by Kevin Walker, who did Seven.
2: And Eight Millimeter.
0: And it is going to star Michael Fassbender. Hello. Wow. Trifecta superstars. This is going to be amazing. So make sure to put this on your radar to check out. Super good. And if you want to get a little dip in the killer world before you see this movie, you can pick up this new comic.
2: Yeah, I found it pretty talky, like you said, which is kind of too bad because it starts out with an amazing two or three page textless action sequence that's really good. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of spend the rest of the comic looking at people in offices and living rooms.
0: Yeah, a lot of talk, getting
2: really philosophical about what it means to be an assassin. And does it matter who you're killing and who you're working for and stuff like that. So it's, it's pretty thinky. I, I, I kept thinking that maybe it didn't need to be a comic.
0: Could be. It's been a while since we've had one of these. So maybe that's why there's so much exposition, but it's cool. You should check it out. Next on the plate, Saga. So it's been a long time. We haven't had an issue forever. And then one month ago, we had issue 55 come out, and our favorite people were all back after three years. And then we had to wait a month, and now the next issue is out. So number 56 is out. It doesn't have any of the will in it. Um, No lying cat in this particular issue. It focuses more on Alana and they're escaping and they, they meet these pirates basically. And so now they're aboard this pirate ship and the pirates are nice. They're actually good people we think we maybe think, we think they, they appear to be sympathetic to their cause uh they recognize that Alana is now a drug dealer sorry spoiler but she's now a drug dealer and she is dealing fade away so fade away is the drug that if you remember back in Sega number 20 when she had to she was working as uh, like that soap opera actress as zipless um all the soap opera actors were all taking Uh, this drug fade away
2: which comes in the form of what looks like an expired chocolate bar yeah yeah like all chalky white and
0: it, it is so anyway she doesn't take the drugs anymore she doesn't narc on her own stash but she talks to this guy this pirate guy about dealing and he's gonna try to help her out and she's gonna try to help him out And they talk about an idea that I haven't seen really before. In all the movies and books about drugs and drug dealing, the idea of the government purposely tainting drugs so that it will, like, mess people up.
2: And so people will be less placated and maybe more likely to fight for a military cause. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I we've we've seen, like you said, this plot device used in various forms so many times. But really, other than maybe like a Huxley-esque take on, you know, what drugs could look like in some off-world or future world, this might be something that gets mentioned in issue 56 and then never gets mentioned again. But it could be kind of a cool plot line if they're planting the seeds for something that's going to be an extended narrative going on through several future issues.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes. They do plant some seeds in this issue that they're gonna be maybe with this pirate group for a while. Seems like. And uh, it seems kind of fun. I like the other characters that are on their ship and their ship is really cool looking. It's like a skull and crossbones thing. Uh, The art is awesome.
2: You can kind of feel Saga like pushing the envelope forward a little bit, uh, especially with a little joke they try to play on the last page I don't know if the joke landed with me I don't know if it was supposed to land with me but when when you read it when you see it you'll know what we're talking about that um they're they're definitely kind of forging a path that like a certain kind of thinker is really going to enjoy and have some laughs with this comic, but there's another kind of thinker who is maybe going to be pushed away by what happens at the end of this one. Um, sort of one of those funny, not funny kind of moments. Yeah. But I did like that they introduced a character. Uh, what are what are the people with television heads called in this comic? They're like they're like the robots in the. the ro- saga they're world.
0: like the ro- royal family that kind of call the shots.
2: So we meet their kingpin. Instead of having like a like you know 17 inch deep box tv tube screen he's like a 300 pound guy with like an 85 inch letterbox flat screen for a head so i like that saga is willing to f- poke fun at itself
0: yeah it's good and and i as far as the joke goes it, again it just makes you appreciate that there are no boundaries in this comic that they will go anywhere and try anything and uh, if you like it right if you don't
2: quit reading it. That's a better way of saying what I was trying to say about the final page. Okay. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. All right. The last book I want to talk about is The Lion and the Eagle. Now this actually came out like two weeks ago. It's the new book by Garth Innes, uh, art by PJ Holden. And this is a beautiful looking book. It again is going to be a mini series. It's put out by Aftershock. It's an oversized prestige issue. Um, And it tells the story of a British Special Forces unit during World War II called the Chindits. And they are in Burma. They are fighting the Japanese occupation. And it's basically these two guys who are very different, uh, very different styles and of how they got into the war in the first place and uh, sort of the backgrounds of some of the different soldiers, because you have like Indian soldiers who are under British rule who are fighting in Burma against the Japanese for World War War and and nobody really cares about them (laughs) like they're kind of stranded and left to their own devices I don't know anything about the Burmese occupation
2: well everything I know about the Burmese occupation I just learned from reading this comic book so it better be accurate (laughs) otherwise it's going to make me look really stupid maybe a future dinner party because I'm always going to dinner parties.
0: constantly going to dinner parties um well this is garth ennis uh you can count on him to be male and violent so you know he wrote preacher and the boys and this is certainly within that vein so check it out and um yeah those are our picks for this week and that wraps up our episode check them out on the stand and check us out in one week's time here on cfcr 90.5 fm